Hi, I'm Max Lopez. Welcome to Beyond the Bindings, episode 10. Super excited today to cover a classic novel by George Orwell, 1984. Now, this book was preceded by Animal Farm, which is one of the most famous books from the 1900s, without a doubt. And that book came out in 1945. And this actually was not preceded by anything because this was George Orwell's last novel that he wrote. This book came out in 1949. And I'm super excited today to cover this book because Beyond the Bindings is going to have our very first guest ever, one of my oldest friends in the entire world. Brian Smith is here with me today. How are you doing, Brian? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, dude. It's so exciting to have somebody here to talk about books. Uh, so everybody knows Brian and I do Beyond the Bindings just in our daily conversation on a regular basis. So <laughs> it's it's fun to have him in. He is a huge inspiration in why I read. I've talked about him on the podcast before. And uh, before we get into 1984, I kind of want to talk to you, Brian, about like what your experience, you've been such a big influence on me as far as reading goes. And I have a lot to say about that as well. But I just kind of want to wow. get, a, you know, pick your brain a little bit on like, how did you get into reading? Wow, and how I'm did beaming. you get into literature? <laughs> well, um, you know, I started off kind of young and uh, taught myself how to read. Uh, I forget exactly how old I was, but, uh, you know, started a lot like on the computer reading about you know how to play video games and stuff like that and uh yeah quickly transitioned into um you know being a stephen king reader probably at too early in age um my mom was a fanatical stephen king reader so she had all of the you know paperback hardcover all of that um so yeah that's kind of when i started really diving into it um yeah, so I definitely just started off with Stephen King and uh, kind of went from there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I've talked about you on the pod here just as such a big influence in me getting into Stephen King. And the listeners are are very aware of my obsession and, you know, uh, us being a part of the, the constant reader crew as far as Stephen King goes. And, uh, oh, I, yeah. It quickly turns into an obsession, right? Very quickly, it's kind of uh, the greatest thing about it when you're trying to, it's like uh, collecting all the Pokemon cards, kind of, right? Exactly, yeah. And I loved your episode on uh, Carrie. Oh, um, awesome. So definitely hope to uh, see more Stephen King books in the mix. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny because I always uh, joke around about, you know, taking a break from him. And then I always find my <laughs> way back a lot quicker than I even initially intended, especially yeah. trying to read all the books right now. Uh, you know, not necessarily from start to, or not from, you know, in chronological order or anything like that. But, sure. you know, so I, I find it funny because when we first started hanging out when we were younger, one of the first books you ever loaned me, we, you know, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, uh, that Grateful Dead book, uh, Home Before Daylight, was passed around our friend group quite a bit. Yeah, and I'm sure somebody's, you know, stole that and still has it to this day. Absolutely. I definitely don't have my original copy of that. I do have a copy of it, but I, I haven't read the, you know, I haven't read it since we were kids for sure. But ironically, the first book you ever loaned me was 1984. We were freshmen in high school and I'll never forget it. You may even still have this copy or have bought a new one since it's, uh, it's got like that blue, it's a white book, small soft or uh, soft cover. It's got this blue eyeball on the front of it. And oh yeah. Yeah, I think that's because because for it. 
Oh, go ahead. I was just saying that, uh, you know, you loaned me that book and I read it and just so young to really understand like the gravity of what this book is about and, uh, you know, the message Orwell is trying to get across and pushing it on me for years and years as adults. And I never really got around to it. And uh, I offered to you if you wanted to join me on the podcast and this was the book you wanted to cover. It's kind of perfect. Uh, kind of just kind of lined up in the way that we wanted wanted it to as far as uh, something interesting, obviously a really important book in literature and just world literature. And I think that uh, that leads into a big point that we wanted to discuss is just like what Orwell was going for, who he was as a person and kind of his political background. And, uh, you know, one thing uh, as I was doing some research that I found this and I didn't know because whenever we talk about this story, we always the discussion of a brave new world comes up. By yeah, it seems Huxley. like they're they're sort of linked, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you've even mentioned it to me that uh, in AP English, you read this book, and then you guys read Brave New World. Yeah, back to back. Uh, and, and you know, yeah. I want to mention it was nice because I'd already read 1984 a few times by then, so. Uh, yeah, I did absolutely. well on the on the assignments, quizzes, and stuff. Yeah, and so I guess uh, I, I found it ironic because I, I knew the comparison. Uh, if you even look up anything about this book, Brave New World is mentioned in in most articles about it. And uh, as I was reading about him, I found that he was actually he studied under Aldous Huxley in the early twenties. Yeah, you had mentioned that to me, and it's fascinating. I'd never known. Um, the, their connection in real life like that. Uh, you know, I, I think the reason maybe that they are always, they seem to come together is they're probably the two most important uh, like dystopian novels in the 20th century. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like, they are. If you really look at it uh, nowadays, like, you know, I just covered Clockwork Orange in the last episode. That is still considered like a dystopian tale and Nowadays, it's not really that uncommon with even ones in modern pop pop culture, uh, you know, even books that you and I aren't into, like even the Hunger Games would be considered like a dystopian type story. Sure. Yeah, I think it's a it's a pretty common theme. Um, and it's certainly interesting for us to read about just as as humans. It's interesting to read about to uh, sort of consider the negative turns that, that we could that we could take. Yeah, exactly. And like, obviously, this book is a science fiction book, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting to compare this to like, what, what, so what sets this aside from what makes it dystopian? And I, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the, the government involvement within it. And uh, kind of like, going back to where Orwell was coming from. This is such a product of somebody who lived in Europe, lived in the UK, and lived through two different world wars, right? So it's such, it's such, this book is, the story is such a product of that era of human history. Yeah, and, and I think it's important, too, to uh, remember that, it, I, because people tend to think of this book in particular as a prediction um, for our future, right? Um, because of the title, and uh, because so many of the things in the novel are so prescient today. Um, but really it was a comment on, you know, Stalinism and, um, 
sort of again like you said a product of the time that he lived through uh i don't i don't really think that it was any sort of prediction on his part intentional and like uh what he's going for as far as sci-fi like the things that people talk about being a prediction like the telescreens and things like that like that's not his main purpose of this story at all Right. I, you know, I think the telescreens are just an example of some of the themes that he sets forth. Uh, because obviously the party is very concerned with surveillance, you know, they want uh, they want to literally uh, see every thought that uh, the, a party member is having. Right. So I, I think the telescreens are just sort of an instrument of, of that. Um, I think maybe Orwell got lucky in that we went on to develop televisions and now obviously with our Absolutely. smartphones and stuff. The kind of ironic thing as I pondered this, that, that aspect of this story uh, and the telescreens for anybody who hasn't read the, the, this book before uh, they're, they're not voluntary. You know, they have to be in everybody's home. Big brother is always watching you and it's something that you, you don't have a choice and you know, very much tele television and phones and iPads and all this stuff are are here today. But the difference is we choose it, right? Right. So we're sort of choosing to uh, live in a dystopia to some extent. Um, I, there's a few things in the book that really creep me out about the telescreens. Um, at one point, Winston is talking about the best facial expression to have on if you're a party member and you're in front of a telescreen. Uh, I, yeah. I forget the exact line, but he said it's something like uh, quiet optimism. You know, you're, that's what you're supposed to be showing on your face in case they're looking in on you. And he mentions that, you know, the thought police, they might have the capability to watch everybody all the time or not. You know, he kind of leaves that open. And I think that's very um, unsettling and, and definitely really takes that theme of government surveillance to the extreme. I, I found that really unsettling. Yeah, absolutely. And a big part of it, like you're saying with Winston, is like, are they watching? Right. Or, yeah, you know, they could are be. They, they, may, they may not be. Yeah, they, and they may have the capability to um, watch everybody all the time. We don't, we don't know, and it's never really revealed to us. So I, I think that remains uh, a very creepy, sort of disturbing element about the party. Yeah, and it brings in that crowd psychology, you know, from Psych 101, where it's like, if you're in a movie theater and somebody walks in and yells fire and you don't see flames and you don't sell smoke, but people get up and start running for the exits, you're going to get up and start running for the exits just because somebody has told you that they're watching you every minute of every day. Um, you believe it, right? Yeah, it, it's sort of like if somebody puts up a surveillance camera that's not connected to anything it, just the fact that it looks like a camera is watching you is probably going to influence your behavior um, yeah and it may not even be turned on absolutely and uh, you know a big part of like orwell that i've read into is that he was very much against capitalism but mm -hmm. he was also very much which plays a big role in this as far as like you know big brother goes but he was also very much against communism and uh, he identified himself as a social uh democratic socialist which uh, is not something you hear about and i think is 
misconceived about who Orwell was. Uh, because I think people read too much into who he was just based on what this book is. Right. You know, he's, he was sort of a strange guy. Um, and uh, again, I think it's important to mention the big brother is supposed to be Stalin. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, even down to the description of his face, if you if you read like, you know, the mustachioed face, it's obviously supposed to be Stalin. Yeah, um, any images of him you see from, you know, fan art and stuff like that. It's 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 him. Absolutely. Right. Um, so, yeah, again, I think it's just important to remember that this is very much his comment on his own time. Um, I, I think, you know, a lot of people get wrapped up in the title um, in thinking that it's a prediction of what's going to happen in the year 1984. Um, but the. An interesting thing about that is he wanted to call it the last man in Europe originally. Um, but what he was persuaded by his publishers for whatever reason um, to, to change it to 1984 and the, you know, kind of prevailing theory is that he just took the uh, year that he wrote the book, 1948 and inverted it sort of a last minute decision. Like, okay, well, I'll just make it name it 1984. Um, and while we don't know if that's true, I think it certainly contributes to people's so he, assumption, you know. All right. So, you know, something I want to talk about with Orwell and 1984, and just so everybody knows, we're going to get, we're going to kind of break this whole episode up into a couple different episodes just to really be able to cover all the main points that Brian and I have kind of been discussing over the last couple of weeks, um, couple of days, couple of weeks in regards to this story. And I think it's really important for us to cover, uh, before we really get into it, like the class system used in here. Do you want to kind of mention a little bit about that, Brian? Yeah, I think it's important uh, when you're reading the book to keep in mind. Uh, so, you, so you have the party, right? And within the party, you have the inner party, which would be kind of the higher ranking people, right? And, and that's a very small segment of the population. Say let, yeah, let's absolutely. say that's 2% of the entire population of Oceania. Um, and then you have the outer party, which is a little bit bigger, but still not very big. Um, you know, so maybe you could say that's an additional 15% of the whole population. So that leaves us with 80 some percent of the population that are considered proles, uh, proletariats, right? Um, yeah. And, and these people, the party has no regard for. They don't, you know, waste their time with propaganda on these people. Um, and again, it's the majority of the population are these people, but they don't live under the same sort of strict rules that uh, members of the party do. Um, so it, it's important to keep that in mind when you're reading the book. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something uh, going into the next couple of episodes that we're going to reference the proles and reference these different class systems and everything like that. And the reason I wanted to bring it up in this episode while we're talking about Orwell is something that I came across with him in his life. You know, he was English. He actually was born in India, I believe. Uh, his father was like a police officer or not a police officer, but he worked for them on, in the military there. And when he was in the UK as an adult, he purposely lived in squalor. Like he wanted to live with the average people and work an average job. And like that was something he sought out. And when I read about that, it kind of uh, made that connection of, to me, for me, like the importance of the proles in this story and kind of his connection to them as, uh, 
as characters that don't even really besides as like a philosophy really even play a role in the story like as as like there there's not a prole in the story that that is a character yeah you know he certain winston certainly has a couple of run-ins um you know in the prole section of town but it's important too from a standpoint like you said of philosophy um winston seems to think at the beginning of the book that uh if there is any hope, it lies in the proles. I think he he writes that in his journal at some point. Yeah, um, absolutely. And they're like to him. He even mentions that like they're the only humans left. Right, they're the only real people because they're living a life that's very close to normal. Right, they're kind yeah. of uh, set aside from the dystopia. But you know, as we'll see and and talk about, um, O'Brien later on sort of smashes that idea. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and that, you know, the elusive, you know, how elusive this story is and how elusive O'Brien as a character is, it's, it's all kind of what is going on, what is real, what is not real, is, uh, is all kind of left for you to perceive in your own way, and I think that's one of the most fascinating aspects of this entire story. Yeah, and bringing it back to O'Brien, I'm, I'm very excited to talk about him. He's one of my favorite uh, characters it, just in uh, literature, period. Uh, I think he's, yeah, I, I think there's a lot to talk about there, so I'm, I'm really excited to get into him. Yeah, you know what, it's funny because I, I as we've gotten into it, uh, you and I have talked about him as a character, spent a lot of time talking about him in prep for this episode, and you know, another book that, that you recommended to me that I read when I was still just using Beyond the Bindings on my Instagram and writing you know, little blurbs about the books I was reading. Uh, he reminds me so much of the Judge from Blood Meridian. Oh, sure, yeah, from right? Blood Meridian, yeah. And just so everybody knows, Brian was so excited when I read Blood Meridian because <laughs> another one of Brian's favorite books. And the whole time it was, what do you think of the Judge? Who do you think the Judge is? And I didn't really, as I read, uh, you know, the the end of this book where Winston is in the Ministry of Love, I didn't really... I wasn't really making that connection until a few days afterwards when I was really pondering O'Brien as a character. And uh, he, there's a lot of similarities and not necessarily like it's not the same story by any means, but kind of just this elusive character. What is he? Who is he? What's his purpose? Those kind of things. They, the judge gives me a lot of that as well. Right, yeah. He, they're both similarly very uh, just intriguing in yeah, like their motivations and... Uh, yeah, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head uh, with that comparison there. They're definitely very similar. Yeah, absolutely. So just so everybody knows where we're heading with this, uh, we just kind of wanted to take this first episode and, in for ni- with 1984 as kind of an introduction, introducing Brian as my co-host, uh, coming in, talking a little bit about the story, but really kind of hitting on 1984, why this book is so important, why it's still worth reading all these years later. And so episode two, we're really, or part two, I guess, episode 11, we're going to be getting into more of the plot, more of the main points, kind of hitting some of the characters, looking at some of the big aspects of this story. And uh, part three, possibly part four, really depending on where we go with it, that's when we're going to get into the real meat of what Brian and I want to talk about. So we want to make sure we hit everything. This book isn't long. It's not, you know, you would think... You know, I've covered four or five hundred page books in twenty five minutes on the podcast on, on my own, but there there is 
50 pages of this book that could be talked about for years and will be talked about for years, at least by Brian and myself. So, uh, you know, we just want to uh, make sure we give this book the justice. <laughs> yeah, Brian, Brian's like, We're, this conversation's never ending. This bot is just like, you know, an opportunity for us to kind of project We're, we're on the episode 150. So, uh, <laughs> if you are going to... Re- yeah, 1984. We're on episode 1,984 <laughs> of 1984. So, uh, you know, a big rec- I, I always recommend reading the books and everything, guys. And uh, part two won't come out until next week. I'm going to say this book is pretty much free everywhere. You can get it on Google for free. It, it's And if it's not free, if you want to buy a hard, you know, a hard copy of it, you know, six bucks, eight bucks, not very expensive, not a really long read, and super important. And I will recommend if you can pick this up and read it in between now and next week, or even now in a couple of weeks before uh, we jump back in, or before you even, you decide to join us again, pick this one up. This one's really important, and uh, it's not just a work of fiction. It is. It's something to really judge and look at it with a with a with a keen eye, without a doubt. So. I want to thank you, Brian. Thanks for coming in for uh, our first guest, who will be back for part two, coming at us next week. And uh, this is Beyond the Bindings. Thank you for joining us.